Hi, this is Derek from Atlanta. Unlike Bob, I am a former law enforcement officer, but I still enjoy listening to a practical show by a practical guy. You're listening to the Handgun World Podcast. Hi, folks. I'm Bob Main. I carry a gun because I can't carry a cop. Welcome to another episode of the Handgun World Podcast, episode 579 to be exact. This is a practical show done by a practical guy, and that is me. Today is Sunday, January 16th, 2022. Thank you for tuning in. I have a great guest this week. I've been having a lot of good guests the last uh, four or five episodes, and this one is no exception. I just want to remind you, however, that this show is brought to you by Keepers Concealment, the leading authorities on appendix carry and appendix carry holsters and appendix carry belts. These people just have it down to an absolute science. And they are also affiliates of CCW Safe, the best legal protection that you need for concealed carry. Check both of them out, KeepersConcealment.com and CCW Safe. By the way, you get 10% discount by using the coupon, coupon code KC10OFF, KC10OFF at CCW Safe. This week, Glenn Tate joins me. A lot of you know Glenn, but some of you might not. He is the author of the best-selling book series, 299 Days. A 10-book series, which I've read. I have also met Glenn twice in person. I've had a chance to teach a couple of firearms classes with him, being one of our assistant instructors. And it was just terrific experience. But Glenn is most known for his vast knowledge on preparedness and survivalism. And he is he and his wife are the host of the Prepping 2-0.com podcast, Prepping2.0.com. Links will be in the show notes for all this stuff. And you can find their podcast and everything. And you gotta listen to it. It's just really good. His wife, Shelby Gallagher, is also an author, and she's written a book series called The Great State. And you know what's really interesting about Glenn's books as well, two hundred and ninety-nine days books half the stuff that he wrote 10 years ago is happening now it's unbelievable so glenn had an interesting challenge in the same year in 2021 he had cancer and he had covid and you're going to hear his story about surviving both of those most of you know i had a nasty battle with cancer in 2014 and 2015 Almost didn't make it, but here I am. And so I can relate to Glenn's story, and I can relate to his situation. So I think you're going to like it, and that's one of the reasons why I asked him to come on this show and talk about it. So let's get right into it. Glenn Tate joins me coming up now. Our guests is back on the show, Glenn Tate. Glenn, welcome back. Thank you. It's great to be here. I can't keep track of how many times I've been on, but it's been a pleasure every single time to come on your show, talk to your audience. We have a lot in common. Um, I'm a gun guy, obviously, 
someone we're going to be talking about today. But uh, um, and and as I've said before, I was a fan of your show before you even had me on, and I remember when you <laughs> called the first time, and I was hearing your voice on the phone instead of through iTunes or Apple or whatever I was using. And it was it was kind of cool. So I love coming on shows where I was a fan before I was a guest. <laughs> well, other people have said the same thing. Other guests that I've had on have said the same thing. Hey, I used to be one of your listeners. Now I get to be a guest, and this is kind of fun. So, um, yeah, and, and you know, Glenn, I think the first time I had you on was probably seven or eight years ago at least. So yeah. I think... Uh, you must have been listening for quite some time. Well, I remember I you didn't have many listeners when I started listening. Um, I was drawn in by the title of the podcast, and then I listened to it and thought it was good. And I, I want to say, and it's been a while, I want to say you uh, you were celebrating, you know, 200, 300 downloads a week and, uh, when I started listening. And so obviously <laughs> that's changed quite a bit. Speaking of that, um, I was just looking at my numbers. I'm getting very close to 6 million all-time downloads. Holy Toledo. Yeah. Wow. Pretty close. Pretty close to 6 million. Congratulations. Well, thank you, but my show's been running now for 12 years. It's been running 12 years. Um, But, yeah, it's... It's it's a blessing, you know? I mean, and speaking of blessings, so... The show's not about me. I wanted to have you on because uh, I, I I'm going to go ahead and celebrate. I, I get to I get to talk to you and see you live after praying probably a couple of hundred times for you. Um, so this is amazing. I mean I'm I'm watching God's miracle uh, right in front of me. Um, and I, I had people say the same thing about me when I went through my nasty cancer fight, uh, as well as you did that too. So, you know, let's talk about that. You guys, you and I both are a couple of living survivalists, and I want to talk about that. Yeah, no, that's that's a great way of putting it, living survivalists. Not like it's a competition, but I had uh, cancer this year, and I was on a COVID ventilator. I know you just had cancer, so it's – I guess it's not a contest, but I won that contest by having two things. But uh, it's not a contest anyone wants to be in. But, yeah, 2021 was a terrible year health-wise. It started off in February with my uh, diagnosis of colon cancer and an emergency surgery, and then – I had uh, chemotherapy, and um, in late August, I had a, a PET scan. You're familiar with that, that, that showed I was clear of cancer. And then I had another one, another clear PET scan, uh, well, actually just a CT scan, in um, late November. So I've, I've gone through two clean tests, basically, which is good news, as you know. Yes. But this... The, this show, I mean, unless you want to talk about the cancer, I mean, it's something we have in common, isn't about the cancer. It's about the other very serious life-threatening thing that happened to me. And I think it's less about that than it is about what you talked about, about the prayer. Um, absolutely, and I'm getting emotional, absolutely convinced 
that all the prayers from all the folks, you, um, all the people in the 2A community, um, all the people, you know, the listeners of Prepping 2.0, readers of of the books, 299 Days, all these prayers, it's the only explanation for how I made it through the COVID thing. So to set the table, um, in on October 23rd of 2021, I had some restorative surgery um, relating to the cancer. I basically had a, an ostomy bag, which uh, is a bag you poop and pee into, and it, it short circuits your small intestine, and it goes right into a bag, which is really gross it's taped onto you with this special tape and uh it's it's not an appealing situation but so i was getting surgery to have my my intestines reconnected so i wouldn't need the bag anymore and so i was weakened with that surgery because it's it's not exactly quadruple bypass surgery but it's you know pretty significant they open you up and and they they sew your your tubes back together and all that other stuff. So while I was in a weakened state from that surgery, um, I was diagnosed with COVID. And so I think that's why it hit me so hard was that I was already, you know, I was already hospitalized post-surgical and uh, they sent me home with an oxygen generator. And at this, at this point, my my oxygen saturation level was 90, which is out of 100, which is okay. Um, it's tolerable. And I spent the next couple nights or days at home, and it got worse and worse. My oxygen saturation got down to 51, Ooh. which is, you know, brain damage material. I mean, yeah, it it was it was really kicking me hard, and. I, uh, I went to the hospital. Uh, in hindsight, I have to say, and, and for folks listening, uh, by the way, COVID really strikes middle-aged men, and um, I'm going to make a guess about the demographics of your show, of your audience, probably a fair number of 40 and 50-something guys. Yes. And so I want guys to hear this really clearly. I thought COVID was basically the flu and I didn't take it terribly seriously. Um, I was wrong. Now, again, I was in this weakened state from the surgery. So that is probably not something that most of your audience has to deal with. But I did not take it seriously enough. And I waited far too long um, to go to the hospital. And so I encourage people to go to the hospital if you've got, you know, all the symptoms, not just of of COVID, most people now, statistically speaking, most people are going to be fine and not need to go to the hospital. I don't mean to say that if you get COVID, you should, you know, have a plan for getting to the hospital because odds are it won't happen. But if you, if you have an oxygen saturation of fifty-one percent, get to the uh, hospital. Yeah, it's get to the hospital. Yeah. So I go to the hospital and uh, they they evaluate me for a day or two. They put me on some remdesivir. And um, then they had the talk with me, which was about intubation. And that's where they put a tube down your throat. That's what a ventilator is. It's a machine that breathes for you to let your lungs heal. And my memory of those days uh, leading up to the intubation are a little hazy because I was on some pretty significant sedatives, as you can imagine. And uh, 
you know, because I was I I was not doing well. I couldn't breathe. I felt like I was being waterboarded. I've never been waterboarded, but I bet it feels like that. And um, probably does. And I basically had. Yeah, I probably had. I, I know I hadn't slept a full night's sleep in nine or ten days between the surgery and the couple days of being at home with COVID. So I was not in my best state of mind. I don't remember anybody telling me what the odds were of surviving the ventilator. It turns out they were 20%, 20% survival rate Ooh. on the ventilator. And I, again, somebody could have told me that and I just don't remember it, but it, it's if I were capable of remembering it, it's something I would have remembered. It's kind of important. So I was all for going on the, the ventilator. And here's the part of the story that um, I don't look so good in, but I'm just going to tell folks it because it's kind of an amazing story. Um, I I was so miserable that I'm going to be honest. I was, I was okay with dying. Um, I'm a Christian. I know I'm going to heaven. So there's that. Amen. But I did feel guilty. My, my wife, we just – you know, relocated to Montana, just bought a new house and going to start remodeling it and start this new life. More on that later. Third life, which is uh, a phrase that's going to become meaningful here in a moment. But um, and I felt guilty leaving her behind. Uh, I wasn't suicidal by any means. I was just OK with the fact that maybe they did tell me it was a 20 percent survival rate because I was pretty sure that I was probably going to die, said goodbye to my wife, which is something that, you know, is a horrible, horrible thing. Um, I think you've experienced that. Uh, yeah. And uh, I don't mean to dredge it up, but it's, uh, it, it, you can't put into words how profound it is. And so I went on the, the ventilator and uh, my wife, by the way, was – she ended up saving my life by, by, by being smart and convincing me of something. I didn't want to end up in an assisted living center, which was a possible outcome of being on a ventilator, and basically being either a vegetable or, or having a trach, tracheotomy and, and a feeding tube and all of this other stuff. Um, that was driving a lot of my – acceptance of potential death because to me being in heaven is much better than being in an assisted living facility uh, for yes, the rest of my life absolutely <laughs> and so um where was i going with this i uh your wife saved your life I, because she oh, did something oh because yeah she was very smart i had and i actually have kept the note that i wrote to myself or i wrote to the doctors I was going to give intubation five days, and if and if I hadn't come off of intubation in five days, I was going to say pull the plug. Um, I ended up being on the ventilator for seven days, so if I would have um, stuck to my position, um, they would have unhooked me, and I would have died and needlessly, as it turns out. She said, let's give this more time. Let's give this 21 days, and I said, okay, so we put in the – the the directive, the life living will directive, whatever it's called. I'm a lawyer. I should probably know what it's called, but I don't remember what it's called. Advanced um, 21 directive. days. Advanced directive. Thank you. And uh, gave, so I really appreciate her. Appreciates too weak of a word. 
um, I'm very thankful for her stepping up and being so reasonable because she didn't want me to go um, on the ventilator. Um, it, but she recognized that it was it was my choice, and and that's a pretty amazing <coughs> excuse me combination there, um, giving me my choice but not wanting me to do it. So I was on the ventilator for seven days. And on the seventh day, it sounds like Genesis, doesn't it? Anyway, yeah. <laughs> on the seventh day, um, uh, they partially woke me up, and they do that to check on you. And also, my my numbers were good. My oxygen saturation levels were good. I was my lungs were healing. They were actually doing a pretty amazing job good. of healing. And so they they could wake me up a little bit and sort of check in, uh, even in a hazy way. And I remember when they half woke me up, and it's very hazy, bear in mind that going into this, I was okay with dying, and I had a complete 180, complete reversal. I wanted to live. When they woke me up, I said, I want to live. I think I said it. I may have had a tube down my throat, and I may have only thought it. So Yeah, you probably um, had a I'm tube not down sure. your throat. You probably couldn't yeah. speak. Yeah, yeah. And I, I remember it. people use this phrase. They say, with every fiber of my being, I, whatever, fill in the blank. I have never been more resolute and certain of anything than me wanting to live. And it was a complete reversal. And, uh, you know, it, life is, is a precious thing. It's a gift from God, and it's not to be trifled with. Nope. And so... I also said, here's, it's somewhat comical, but it doesn't make me look really good. That's why it's comical. Um, I saw out of the corner of my eye a doctor, and I either said or thought, I don't know which, um, just to make it clear that I wanted to have this tube removed and I wanted to live, I wanted to remove any miscommunication. So I said or thought, um, if you kill me, I'll kill you. Now, I didn't have a lot of leverage. Uh, I was not really able to do any killing, which is probably good. Um, I'm glad. I, by the way, I I'm apologize to the doctor. Yeah. But it shows you how fervently I wanted to live. And so I came out of it. Uh, they were all amazed. Um, some nurses, by the way, told me that, again, I get emotional. It's very emotional. Um a couple of the nurses said that one of the reasons they were so happy that I lived was that they needed the hope. There were so many people dying, and and here in western Montana where I am, we don't have very, relatively speaking, high rates of death. It's not like a, one of Andrew Cuomo's nursing homes oh. where the death rates were. High. Yeah, no, oh. yeah, that's a singer. Good one there. Um, <laughs> but. I remember when I was conscious that there would be uh, – the fire department would come with these big gurneys like the kind they used to get in and out of an ambulance, and uh, they would go – there was a little window I could see out into the hallway, and they would go one way, and then they would come back with somebody on that gurney in a body bag once or twice a day. And so the nurses needed some hope. And there's was, the purpose right there, Glenn. There's yeah. There's the purpose. You know, 
you know, God is all about hope. And he chooses how he's going to provide hope. And he used you to provide some hope to some nurses. Yes, I think so. And speaking of purpose, um, I think one of the reasons that God let me live, I beat the odds, um, is that probably, honestly speaking, probably a couple thousand people were praying for me. It's the reach of the show. Um, and then I know all kinds of folks like you that are, you know, praying a lot. Um, and I, I, like I say, and I'm not bragging like, oh, I had, a, you know, thousands of people praying for me like it's a contest. But I've run the numbers in my head, and uh, it's probably accurate. And so I think that my beating the odds strengthened the faith of a couple thousand people who prayed sure, for me or, or were just even concerned. You know, it showed that that prayer works, and that, I think, is the purpose. Well, one of the purposes, and of course, God is a lot smarter than I am, so – his purposes make more sense than mine. And then um, Shelby, my wife and I, uh, she's the co-host of Prepping 2.0. We were able to do several shows where we talked about this and this miracle and how the prayer, in our opinion, clearly um, helped in the outcome. It was, mm-hmm. it was probably the reason for the in- outcome. I don't know that, that God would let down thousands of people that were honestly and earnestly praying i mean it's his call it's his plan he can do it and he does do it on occasion because again he's smarter than than me or you even he's smarter than even you bob wow so i'm glad you told me that you know uh (laughs) i think there are people that uh that that think that uh that i have an ego that big but i don't (laughs) yeah no, just just kidding. And so another thing as far as purpose goes, and this I don't think is the primary purpose for what God did, but it's it's kind of a a neat uh consequence. I mentioned earlier the term third life, and um that is a very significant thing to me. I've been given three lives. Um I was physically born, I was born again when I was thirty, and then I now have been given this third life. I mean, in one year, in, um, being cured of cancer and coming off a ventilator Ooh. in the same year wow. is is being given a third life. And so, um, Shelby and I at our at our new place in Montana, it it came with uh, with a horse stable, and I don't know anything about horses. Um, and so I know you're from Texas, so I know that you know everything about horses by default. So, uh, but didn't know anything about horses. And I was looking at the horse stable, and it just hit me that we should uh, get some horses and have a charity for um, uh, basically horse therapy for for all. There are all kinds of, of conditions people have, including autism, that. Horses seem to be either a cure or therapeutic. Um, There's something about people with PTSD also can really bond with horses. Yes, they do. We were given this horse stable, and 
it just seemed like the right thing to do. So we we call it Third Life Ranch. It's not operational yet. I like it. But Third Life Ranch because it again I'm getting emotional. It's a constant reminder that I've been given a third life and I'm incredibly grateful for that. I I know you don't have a lot of guests come on and start blubbering and crying, but it's uh, perfectly okay, you know, um that's pretty cool. That's a cool name of a horse ranch. I think that's and that'll be a constant reminder about the third life. I, that's a that's a constant reminder. Exactly. And horses are horses are therapeutic. I live in Texas, but I'm not from Texas. But where I grew up in Wisconsin, I actually um, we had a small horse farm when I was growing up. So I know horses very well. As a matter of fact, I used to break horses when I was a teenager, and um, now the horses that I used to break were no fun, but horses can be very therapeutic. Oh, okay. They say that uh, the first step towards bankruptcy is buying a horse. Yes, it so, is. Uh, yes, and uh, and the, and the final step towards bankruptcy is buying a second horse. Yeah, exactly. Then it's all over. <laughs> kind of like it's all over. Kind of like a boat. They say the second happiest day is when you buy the boat, and the first happiest day is when you sell the boat. So. That's right. Yes, exactly yeah. right. Well, Glenn, I think it's just a miracle uh, that you're here, that you're talking, and um, you know, it's it, it's amazing. Now, I, I need to ask you a question. This is something I've always wondered because um, my uh, my my first wife, my late wife, who I lost. In, in 2017, she was on a uh, ventilator for a different reason, and uh, of course she she did not make it, so I did not get a chance to to talk to her after she came off. But do you remember being on the ventilator? No, not at all. In fact, right after my my wife and I had our conversation about going on to the ventilator. They let her stay for a few minutes. Of course, with all the COVID protocols, she couldn't, you know, hang out in the room. And um, it was almost immediate after I decided to do it. They rolled in. Apparently, I didn't. I don't remember it, but she remembers. They rolled in the ventilator and they started intubating me and putting the the tube down my throat. Apparently, I was fighting them which I feel good about. I mean, I got my spirit, you know what I mean? And uh, um, it's probably pretty good that, that they don't allow any uh, concealed carry in a hospital because I probably would have, you know, <laughs> concealed carry and, and the, uh, the the sedatives I'm on are a terrible combination. Uh, yeah, and so, yeah, so she, she described things that happened when I would have been roughly awake um, and, and I don't remember them. I don't, I don't remember anything. Um, I don't, I, you know, it, it's just, a, a blank. It's a, it's a blackout, uh, a memory hole. And then what's the next thing you remember when you, when they extubated you? No, I don't remember that either. Um, I just woke up and I, I didn't appreciate that I had, beat the odds I didn't even appreciate this is going to sound weird I didn't appreciate being alive I was just like it was this next step in this process I was oh okay I'm 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 awake now in the hospital um it it didn't hit me about how amazing this was for quite some time 
And the day after I came off, so it was a full 24 hours, um, my wife came to visit me and uh, we did a, a Facebook live feed. It's dated, uh, it's on the Prepping 2.0 Facebook page. It's dated November 9th. I think I saw it. Yeah. yeah. And I was euphoric. I was still on a lot of drugs. I uh, I decided that there was going to be a big party in St. Regis, Montana, that uh, there was no facility for. So I had to walk that one back. Um, and uh, I and I that's when it hit me that I had I had lived and that it was against the odds. And you can tell from that that video that I'm just out of my mind with glee and, and appreciating life. Um, it's and something you have to go through and, and, you know, you've had a significant health scare too. Mm-hmm. So you can, you can relate better than most. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay, good. Thanks for answering that because uh, I guess they had you totally sedated and, and all that good stuff that they put you on got rid of any memory you might have had during that, right? Yeah, I I think I was on Dilaudin. I think that's what they called it. And um, I I probably had a quart of it. I'm sure that's not true, but um, it it completely incapacitated, which is good because I imagine having a tube down your throat, both going in and coming out is probably pretty uncomfortable and painful. So Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, painkillers when you're in pain. <laughs> yeah. So today, as we speak, how many days past uh, getting off the ventilator are you now? A little over 60 days. Uh, I okay. I got off on uh, November 8th. And there's another part of this story that's sort of interesting. My recovery has been remarkable. I was only in the hospital for an extra week after I came off the ventilator until they released me to go home. And I, I had to prove to them basically that I could get up and, and, you know, go to the bathroom myself. I could get up and I could walk around the the floor of the hospital. They weren't just going to release me if I, if I couldn't, you know, stand up basically. And so I, God is what did it. I don't want to take the credit, but I I was involved because I was absolutely determined to get up and I get out of that dang place. No, um, can't sleep. It's noisy. The food was not awesome. Um, they had to crush. They had to pulverize everything because after you've had a tube in your throat for seven days, you know you can choke on things that normally you wouldn't choke on. And so, I mean, I had like, you know, chicken breast that was like pulverized and, uh, and I wanted to get out of there. I wanted to get on with my life. I was so thrilled with being alive and then to sit in that, uh, that hotel, hotel, that's funny, that hospital room. (laughs) It's not a hotel. (laughs) All I could do, I mean, I couldn't sleep. All I did was I watched Golden Girls reruns and those get old after a while. I mean, Betty White, bless her heart, but, um, it, 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 I wanted to get out of there, and I, I almost, I almost got pretty assertive about it. I, I told them I was going to leave against medical advice, and they said, "Well, you can do that, but insurance won't pay for any of this." And I said, "Oh, well, then I'm going to stay yeah. until you tell me I can leave." Exactly. Um, exactly. And so, I, 
I did have something to do with it, my my drive, my spirit to get out of that place. And it was, they were nice people. I mean, it's not like they were mean or anything. I just – it's not my style to be cooped up in a bed and – No, it's not my – And have either. to call a call button and ask permission to go to the bathroom. Um, that's not – I've been there, done that. That's not – yeah, exactly. You know what it's like. So I was only uh, – in the hospital for a week it only took a week of recovery until they let me go good and oh i'll remember when they came in and said you're you're going to be released um that was a glorious moment and so then i came home and i spent three days basically immobile because walking a few steps would fatigue me um walking up the stairs to the bedroom was something I planned about an hour in advance, and I psyched myself up for it, and uh, it completely tanked me. I would have to lie down, and sometimes I fell asleep by just going up the stairs. Um, I did three days of that, and then I came back to work because <laughs> I had stuff to do. Um, and uh, you know, you can't put a law firm on hold. I, I, another amazing story about the law firm going on hold. A lawyer friend of mine who I hadn't talked to in six or seven years, um, she happens to be – she's Washington-based, but she happens to be in Montana right now. She picked up all of my court appearances. Nice. And she didn't even talk to me about it. She she just did it and saved my bacon and my client's bacon. And uh, – there are a lot of good people. Oh, yeah. That's amazing, Glenn. That is... Well, you know, and this brings out the good in people. It really does. Uh, these are the kinds good of point. things... These are. This is another part of God's purpose, is he uses these to bring these events like this to us to bring the good out in people. Absolutely. I never thought of it that way, but you're you're 100% right. We see it in, in disasters and hurricanes. We and see it, kind of yeah, and... Uh, you know, the world is not all bad. People have good in them. And, uh, you know, these kinds of things bring the good out when there's when there's stuff like this where picking up your court appearance is a great example. Yeah, and it's something that, that I'll never forget. You really learn who your friends are. And by that, I don't mean I had people treating me poorly. It was all positive. I, I For the best, you know, the positive side of things, I found out who my my friends are um, couldn't even keep up with all the texts. Uh, everybody that had my phone number was texting me, yeah. um, wishing me well. And it, it's it's very humbling um, to realize that you have some role in other people's lives that gets them to. I mean, we, we had folks, um, friends, uh, show related friends. Uh, offered to to drive all the way from Washington State to come to Montana. Anything we needed, we had uh, uh, a friend, not a close friend, more really a, of an acquaintance, who coordinated with my wife and came all the way from Idaho to Montana to clean our house because we weren't, Whoa. you know, we couldn't do that. And and uh, one of my clients sent a bunch of. Uh, frozen gluten-free food because I'm allergic to gluten, and uh, and also you know arrange for a housekeeper 
everyone's apparently concerned with uh, you know how we keep our house. Maybe they're trying to tell us something, right? No, it's it's just actually one of the best things you can do for people. It is. Yeah. Yeah, I I realize that now. Um I'm putting that away in the uh in the memory bank for maybe with when somebody else needs it because you just can't keep up with the house and there's a couple dogs and, you know, and food. It's bringing them food and, and food. cleaning their house are some of the best things you can do. Mhm. Absolutely. So lots of lots of good people rose to the occasion. And I I didn't know that I, I – mean, they were acquaintances and nice people and everything, but I didn't know what impact. And I say we, Shelby and I, again through the show, the impact we've had on a lot of people is really gratifying. Oh, and then we got so many handwritten uh, cards, oh, yeah. um, greeting cards, and and our P.O. box, you know, it was overflowing. Uh, people were sending us – Ivermectin, which was cool. We had a, a good friend of ours. He's been a guest on the show a couple times. He drove from Spokane. He he got about two hundred dollars worth of ivermectin. Drove from from Spokane and gave it to my wife. They intercepted it at the uh, at the lobby. Um, she she asked me. She texted me before she got caught because um, they're not really big fans of ivermectin in the uh, medical community and. Uh, we could do a whole show on that, but it's not the yeah. COVID show. It's the it's handgun world. Um, <laughs> but she said, do you want me to smuggle this in, to physically smuggle it into you? And I, I thought, well, I'm not going to be able to, even if she gets it to me, I'm not going to be able to like put a blister pack of pills, you know, in, in my pocket because I'm wearing one of those hospital smocks right. and I don't have any pockets. So I didn't think there was a practical way to take it. Plus, I didn't want the doctor's to think we were crazies or something like that and then treat us a little differently and one of the nurses said to me because I'm unvaccinated she said to me um, that unvaccinated patients get treated a little bit like second-class citizens I thought that was an interesting thing for her to say and uh, so I didn't want to raise my profile you know and I needed those doctors to be on my team and so I told my wife not to physically smuggle it in. Uh, she probably would have done a magnificent job of it, but uh, <laughs> I kind of waved her off on that. Well, yeah, it, there is a lot of controversy about all that stuff. Maybe I'll bring you back on and we'll do another show about that. Um, well, I, I really much ap uh, appreciate you sharing this, Glenn. It's, you know, when I first heard that you were in the hospital, uh, on a ventilator, I was totally shocked. I, uh, you know, I, I, I couldn't picture it. Uh, I just couldn't picture it, you know. And and I've met you two times in person, and so I just could not picture you being in there uh, on a, uh, on a bed on the ventilator. Uh, but you know, it's it's such a great miracle that you're here. Um, and if anybody's listening to this that does not believe, I, I hope that this testimony, our testimony, because I've shared my testimony on numerous episodes before, I hope that it, it, it turns some minds. I really do. Absolutely. And again, that's, I think, the primary purpose that God made, got both of us through our health scares 
was because we we're so fortunate to have a microphone and have so many people listen to what we have to say, which is a tremendous honor. Oh, yeah, and, it is. It is a tremendous honor. And I've always had a goal to to use it for as much good as I possibly can, even before I I got cancer and even before my near death experience almost dying from cancer. But afterwards, that goal like multiplied 10 times. Yeah. Absolutely. It's 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 a intelligent design to say the least that God has for um you and me and he just he just picked us. He has reasons and we didn't do anything special. Um and uh, and now I here's where I look bad too by the way. And I you know, I'm I'm happy to admit it. Somebody asked given all the the benefits uh getting the word I mean strengthening people's faith being the benefits that came from this would i do it again i said absolutely not <laughs> i would not it was horrible and uh i acknowledge that there's been tremendous good that's been done but i am too weak of a person to say oh heck yeah i'm going to sign up for that of course if you know what the outcome is it's easier to say oh i'd go through it but when i said goodbye to my wife that if Ooh. No one should be asked to to uh, do that again. Um, so, yeah, that was that was pretty rough. Yeah, and I heard the episode that the two of you recorded. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think I sent you a text when I heard that episode. I think it was the first one, or or one of the early ones after you came back. I texted you. I said. That that episode strengthened my faith because it just did. It, it it the testimony is amazing. Well, and I think your faith was already pretty strong. So to say that it strengthened it is is pretty pretty high high praise, high honor. It it, it mostly reaffirmed it. Yeah, you know, not because we're all humans. Every once in a while, we get down. We get depressed, we get frustrated, we get angry, and sometimes, you know, we start to we start to question God. Why are you doing this? What? Come on, God, why are you doing this to me? And I never completely lose faith, but I have to admit that sometimes I get I just get mad about it. And when I all I got to do now is is think about my own experience and Glenn Tate's experience, and it corrects my mind. Oh, good. Well, that's that was, I believe, God's purpose. Yeah. Um, good. You know, what I'd like to do at this point is uh, I'm going to call you back. I want to record a show for my Patreon supporters and yours. You're certainly welcome to use it for yours as well. And during that, if you wouldn't mind, uh, I'd like to... You, you talked about a couple things that made you look bad. Can you talk about some things that made you look good? Mm, yeah, happily so. Yeah, I'd like to hear some and some more positive outcomes, uh, and let the uh, Patreon supporters listen to that if you don't mind. You bet, my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. It's a great honor to speak to your audience. Well, it's an honor to have you on. Before I let you go, tell everybody where they can find your books, your podcast, website, anything you're working on. 
Sure. Books. Um, the series is called 299 Days. It's a prepper novel series. It's a 10-book series. I wrote it 10 years ago, and uh, I'm saying this humbly. A lot of the stuff that I wrote has since come true. It has. <laughs> it, uh, it's amazing. It's a picture of a, of a collapse of the United States, a slow collapse, nothing dramatic, but still pretty significant. And um, and the podcast is Prepping 2.0, and the website is Prepping2-0.com. And we are on episode 167 so far, and uh, we've we've been blessed to to be one of the highest rated uh, prepping or survival podcasts. Um, we were given that honor, and um, we're at I think 1.8 million downloads. It's not a contest; you got me beat on this one. <laughs> but uh, I just let folks know that it's a pretty legitimate podcast it's also a syndicated radio show we yeah we, we're on several radio stations which is fun and then um uh so that's the the website my wife's books she's also a prepper uh novelist it's kind of how we met and uh, her books are called a great state and those are at a great but the the main entrance into all things related to the books and the podcast is the prepping2-0.com website. And and we have a Patreon program, and uh, we think we treat our Patreons right. Um, they seem to like being supporters, so we, we give them value for their money. Thank you. Glenn Tate, I'm going to call you right back shortly, and thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thank you, Glenn. Great stuff. For all of you who are members of my Patreon page or the Shooters Club that I do together with Ben Branham, you're going to hear part two. And if you're not a member and you want to hear part two, there's a fix for that. Just go to patreon.com slash handgunworld. Get signed up for as little as $3 a month. $3 a month, folks. That's not much. Please support me. Or you could support myself and Ben Branham and access over 90 training videos for only $8 a month or $75 a year at ShootersClubMembers.com. This interview was also brought to you by Concealment Solutions, makers of fantastic holsters. I'm wearing one now. I'm wearing a Cobra outside the waistband Concealment Solutions holster for my SIG P365. Just great stuff. Check them out. ConcealmentSolutions.com If you need a new holster and you like carrying outside the waistband or using a hybrid or using an inside the waistband, go to ConcealmentSolutions.com and check them out. You get a coupon code HANDGUNWORLD One word, HANDGUNWORLD Gives you 10% off at Concealment Solutions. Alright, well, I'm going to go ahead and just kind of leave this right where it is. And I think this is a pretty good conclusion to this episode. If you've never left me an iTunes review or Apple Podcast review, I would love to get one or just review this show anywhere where you get your podcast and where you listen. And also, I've got a good Amazon store. A lot of you use it. You can support my show that way without having to spend any extra money. Just go to handgunworld.com first. Go through my Amazon affiliate link and then sign into your Amazon or your Prime account and do your shopping. And that would help me out greatly. That's it, folks. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Handgun World Podcast. I'm Bob Main. I invite you to shoot straight, shoot safe, 
Read your Bible every day. And I'll talk to you next week.